When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> Well, I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Her special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Reuben Paul in studio. Comedian Reuben Paul talking how great Minnesota is and some good stuff about tasty, tasty food next. show this is the tom bernard show tom will be back on monday filling in i'm dave schrader joining me in studio reuben paul 
from the House of Comedy. You've got shows there, what, tonight at 7.30 and 9.30? Yes. Tomorrow night, 7 and 9? Yes. And you're hanging in for the trifecta, Sunday, 7 o'clock? Yes, and I got here on Valentine's Day and did a sold-out show on Valentine's Day, so it's been a good week so nice. far. Nice. Yeah. Was it a lot of couples or a lot of just broken uh, hearts? A lot of couples, uh, groups of b- bitter people there also. I could tell by the scowls of their faces. That needed a laugh. That needed a laugh, yes. yeah. Well, some people try to call it um, Single Awareness Day. <laughs> so uh, I made everybody aware that they were single that night. Nice. Single Awareness Day. We yeah. are becoming an overly politically correct country, I aren't know. we? I Just say people who ain't got nobody. That's right. <laughs> be be up front. lonely souls. All the lonely souls out there. Hey, some people are together and they're lonely when they're together. So, hey, who's to judge? That's true. Now, you, yeah, where true. did you just come in from? Los Angeles. <clears throat> Excuse oh. me. Born and raised. How yeah. do you enjoy our balmy weather here in you Minneapolis? Know, I got to be honest, and I'm not saying this to suck up. I love Minnesota. I love coming here. I love the audiences. Um, You know, the people are great. And I pretty much stay in the mall, so (laughs) I don't usually get to see much of Minnesota. (laughs) So you just get to avoid all of the cold, huh? I'm just like, hey, great mall. never 20 below. No, I mean, I've I've been out in it, but it's for something very specific. (laughs) Other than that, I'm in that hotel room. You know, the first time I came here, I did the whole... Go downtown, go see Prince's place. You know, went to a game. I'm good. So you went to <laughs> you, you went to Paisley Park. <laughs> yeah. Did you do the big tour now? No, I didn't do the. No, nah, we just you know drove by. Hey, that's where Prince lives. Yeah. Hey, all right, great, saw it. So very uh, non-assuming oh. from outside, right? It looks like a warehouse district. Yeah, yeah. It is yeah. beautiful inside. Have you have you had a chance to go in there, Catherine? You know what? I have never been in there. I can't believe. I mean, I used to even live out that way, and for some reason, I haven't I've never either. Been. It's so funny because it's like people that are from Minnesota. They're like, "Isn't the, is it is it a giant purple palace?" I think it's probably a giant purple palace. It's like it's right outside the metropolitan area. You can just go take a drive by. Yeah, it's not a purple palace. Well, it's like when you live someplace. The last thing you want to do is the touristy things where right. you live. Yeah, that's It's true. like when people come to L.A., you know, they want to do the, the basics. They want to go to um, Hollywood Boulevard to see the stars of the Walk of Fame. Or they want to go yeah. to Disneyland. Or you got to take people or to La Venice Brea Beach. Tar Pits. The La Brea Tar Pits, yeah. <laughs> Venice Beach to see all the weirdos. And, you know, yeah. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Is the, you know, you got to take <laughs> that's them That's the there. big hot spot? Uh, it, uh, hey, when you come to L.A., <clears throat> yeah. you go to Roscoe's to change your life. You're like, man, I never thought chicken and waffles could taste so good. And who came up with this combination? See, when I used to visit Los Angeles, they always used to take me down to the IHOP. What is that, down on Sunset and Vine around in that area? Where all the prostitutes hang out? Yes. And that was like the was that, hot spot. Was you that your see, request? No, no. Seriously, like all my buddies are like, you want to go see celebrities? And I'm like, this is the dodgiest place I've ever seen. And they're like, just wait. We're in an IHOP. Movie stars, TV stars. Well, because that used to be the late the that used to be the late night place oh. where everyone would go. Oh. Like we'd we'd finish performing and it's like uh, let's go to the IHOP, and then that's where you'd see everybody coming in there. Yeah. But Roscoe's is another. I don't know. Maybe it's a black thing, but I think everybody goes to Roscoe's. Now that I think about it, it's just a popular. It's a it's a chain, but um, I know when a lot of the basketball players and the rappers and all you know when they comes like yo we got to go to Roscoe's and then. We're in Roscoe's and it's it's delicious. So that was my public service announcement. Yeah, higher class than thing. Yeah, I was gonna say, is that higher class than like the Waffle House? Oh, way higher class than the Waffle House. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you see, you see Jay Z and Beyonce at at Ross. Is this is this a place that you go when you come to LA? You got to try it. It's one of those. Like um, people tell me about the Lucy's. 
here in Minnesota? Oh, Juicy Lucy's? Juicy the, Lucy's. Right. Like the, that's a, what is it, the 510 Club, Catherine? Is that where they have those? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's kind of, Roscoe's is kind of equivalent. Club. Yeah, it's, it's kind of equivalent to that. If you come to Minnesota, you have to have a Juicy Lucy. If you come to L.A., you got to go to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Well, I had the opportunity. You know where else they have them? Where's that? Comedy. Uh, really? Chicken and waffles at house? No, the juicy Lucy. Oh yes. Really? What makes it? Wait, it's just a hamburger, right? Yeah, but it's, it's a got hamburger. Like but there's, bl- yeah, blue cheese in injected into the middle. Oh, it blue sounds cheese. like a little much, but it's actually really good. I Is like it. Good? it. Heart healthy. Yeah, look at them over there nodding. It's good. It's oh wow, good. I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah. See, now you got to try yep. the juicy Lucy at well, the house. Of, there's three uh, places to go: Matt's Bar here in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. the Nook in St. Paul, and then you got the Five A Club. Those three. Wow, you're serious about it. Yeah. <laughs> you got intense about it. There's yep. only three places you go to. Yep. <laughs> Have you ever gone to the Lion's Den for the burgers? No. Over in Bloomington, I think it is. I got that was one of the places when I first moved here 20, 30 years ago. Everybody's like, you got to go eat the hamburgers at the Lion's Den. And I go in there, and this line was during lunch out the door and wrapped wow. around the building. And I'm like, what is going on? And it took mm-hmm. forever. We were in line for an hour. You get your burger, you walk out, and it's just this floppy looking ugly thing. Amazing. Wow. There's yeah. like black magic melted right into the burger because there's no way that ugly thing could taste that good, and it was amazing. Wow. It's, you know, it's interesting. I, go ahead. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just, to me, I just think a, burgers are pretty much all the same to me. <laughs> Am I like just Uh-oh. crazy? Yeah, I'm just, pretty much. I'm sorry. They just, I mean, there's, there's, there's yucky, dried out, horrible burgers, right. obviously. Yes. But if it's a good burger, it just... A good burger tastes like a good burger. Well, some people, I think, are, are burger connoisseurs, like wine connoisseurs. Like, yeah, they know their be. burgers. I'm not into burgers like that. <laughs> but Are uh, you more of a wiener guy? No, I'm not a wiener guy <laughs> at all. They have a place called The Wienery in Minneapolis. You won't catch me at The Wienery. <laughs> are you sure? They've got, these, they've got like a plethora. I haven't yet to get there, but everybody keeps telling me because I'm a big hot dog fan. They said The Wienery is the place to be. So I've this been conversation just sketchy. took a left turn. Oh, really? Yeah. This is the line? Hey, do you like wieners? Uh, uh, that's an interesting lead-in. <laughs> yeah, what's the, there's a famous one in L.A., too. Uh, pink. pink. Wienery. Yeah. yeah, Pink. Yeah. You yeah, really yeah, do yeah. like your wieners, huh? Like yeah. And what is it? The grape papaya in New York, right? I have no well, idea. That one and uh, they also got, uh, what is it, out on uh, Coney Island. I can tell you the oh, best, yeah. the best wieners in any state. I can uh-huh. tell you where they are. I have. I'll tell you a place that has good wieners. If you say right here, I'm going to slap you. I even dragged. I, even dragged. I was going to say that, but I, I held off on that one. Thank you. I even dragged Catherine and Tom to the opening of Portillo's here in Minnesota, which is a big Chicago you eatery. Can't change the subject. Why we gotta stick I? on the wieners. Yeah. <laughs> that just came out of nowhere. Did We're it? talking burgers. Do you like any wieners? <laughs> I'm referring now to it as hot dogs, Ruben. I yeah. think. You're... Yeah, let's go on hot dogs. Paint me in a corner. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Are you a hot dog guy? No, well, but I like wieners. Paisley Park. Uh, after he passed away, we, I got an invitation to go through with a media line to go check out Paisley Park. Okay. And if you haven't seen it, it is. It's really worth. It's one of those kind of like, why would I go? See, what do I? care but it's really amazing yeah and the way they've set it up is so cool because it's totally interactive it gives you a chance to kind of see how he developed and then they take you into this big sound recording studio and they're like you know this wasn't just prince mm. and then they start knocking out album after album right. that's been produced there and you're standing right where all of these major musicians have come together and the lineup so it's a was museum insane. now yeah Wow. Yeah. And and okay. he you know, I often wonder if he knew he was coming to the end because he, he was transitioning this place into a museum. Oh, and for okay. somebody so private and quiet, 
it's pretty interesting that he already had this thing developing into a museum. Uh, but it's a really – and then they walk you in, and <clears throat> when they bring you into the main room, they're telling you the story. And then right above this one door, there's a miniaturized version of Paisley Park. And then oh, they wow. said Prince is right here, and that's where that's his urn. It's in the shape of Paisley Park. So wow. they have his Maybe. remains right over the door. Is that kind of like uh, when they go to um, Graceland? Yeah. Is it the same type of... Oh, okay. Except for, you know, Elvis isn't buried there. Yeah. Right. He, yeah. He's, well, know, I mean, he's still sling, alive, right? Yeah, he's slinging, <laughs> slinging waffles and chicken. Yeah. <laughs> or eating Lucy's Maybe and looking for was... wieners. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Prince was... Uh, turning it into a museum because um, now with the wonderful equipment that's available to almost everybody who's got a really nice computer, you can have a recording studio anywhere. You sure can. Yeah. 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 You, know, you don't, you don't have to go and pay a ton of money to go to a recording studio. Yeah, right now we're in what, what is this? Just like a den yeah, kind of room? Den. Yeah, it's like a 15 by 15 den room that we put. Half of our sound paneling is just a, what do you call them? A mattress. Mattress <laughs> Yeah, the truth is coming out. And what are the chains on the wall for, Andy? <laughs> well, because mattress pads, it co- they're That's... made of the same basic material, and, you know, it costs yeah, it's just foam. way less because it's yeah. not marketed toward... A lot of audio it's equipment hideous, but costs works. more than it should because it's audio equipment. Right. Unfortunately. But, you know, other than that, uh, the total cost of this whole setup was probably maybe four or $500. Yeah. And that's mostly inductive. Not bad. <laughs> Mostly inducted. We, I'm sorry. We use push pins. Thank oh, you very sorry. much. <laughs> that explains the sparks coming from the wires in front of me. It's a I'm very not a fancy I'm, setup. But when I think about it, I, I don't. I'm not a tour person. I don't like going on tours and no? things. Uh, well, no. Well, see, contradiction. No. I, well, I, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but now I have to kind of. So I took the weirdest tour. A very good friend of mine, pretty wealthy guy, got married and. I think it was Newport, Rhode Island. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. he, we went on a mansion tour, um, a.k.a. plantation tour. Okay. <laughs> they didn't tell In me. In Rhode a, Island? Yeah, they, they didn't tell me it was a, a plantation tour and, until the tour started. Mm-hmm. And like, we kept, the, these are the slave quarters. I'm like, slave quarters? Really? <laughs> yeah. You are aware that was part of our distant history, right? Yeah, but I didn't need to go see it. I no. I didn't, I didn't think that was up in Rhode Island for some reason. Well, sure, it was why. all over. I mean, a lot of the, the presidents and, and mm-hmm. the residents that originally settled exactly traded slaves the, and dealt with slaves yeah, right yeah yeah not not nearly as much up north but you know yeah if you wanted I, to find it you could find it yeah Some, fact, you know, beautiful property plantation yeah 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 there when i know when i went to visit my my grandparents in the uh, 80s in faraday louisiana oh wow and they've got the old houses and, and everything like that. And it's just, it's a totally different culture. Yeah. Right. And then they have the house and then they've got the little house out back. And I go, oh, what was the little house for? He goes, well, that was slave quarters. And I'm like, oh, okay, time co- to go. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should call that something else <laughs> other than the slave quarters. Yeah. Although, yeah. in the 80s, you know, this was like 87. That's hilarious. I'm sorry. They, Maybe we should call it something else now. <laughs> 87, there was still. And I don't know. I haven't been back out there that way. But my uh, step grandmother let me separate it with by saying that she introduces me and she she brings me over. She goes, "Oh, this is our grandson Dave, and this is my N neighbor Bob, and his N neighbor uh, wife Mary." Oh my god! And she's the N hairdresser in town. He's the N butcher. And my jaw hit the floor. My eyes were huge, and I just stood there like, "Oh, we're all gonna die now." What are you doing? And she walked away, and the guy leans over and pats me on the shoulder, and he goes. 
that's old folks for you. He goes, that's the way they talk down here. And he goes, but I got to tell you, she's telling the truth. I'm the end butcher in town. I'm oh the only one God. that they go to. And she's the end hairdresser. And I was like, this is a world I'm not prepared yeah. for. And that was in the act. Because, again, hearing what I grew up in very white suburbia of Illinois, Chicago, yeah. uh, Chicagoland area. That was like major culture shock. I, I could imagine. I was like, didn't this stop in the 50s and 60s? What's going on? Unfortunately nope. not. But I'm I, telling you. I, I admire the fact that you've never went back. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> You're no. like, that, that's my first and last trip. They're like, it's the birthplace of Jerry Lee Lewis and slavery, apparently. This <laughs> yeah. is not a good place to be. No. Man. No. No. Not at all. Lots of changes. So uh, let's talk about wieners. <laughs> yeah. How about the wieners? <laughs> <laughs> I love radio. It's like the conversation just takes a, yeah, a wrong whatever, turn. It's like, your... uh, yeah, uh, how do we get on plantations and slavery? And <laughs> that was yeah, you. How, how that, that was happen? Mr. I don't like weird tours. By the way, I went on a weird tour yeah, it once. Was, it was weird because yeah, they kind of sprung it on me. It. I did start it. But it was, a, come on, you guys got to understand. Like, And I'm the only brother like on the tour. And then they get, you know, they're pointing to these quarters, man, like these yeah. cramped spaces. And I'm looking at my friend going, really? This is where you're taking me? He's like, dude, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> we just saw I it would, in a brochure. I <laughs> yeah, I would not think that of Rhode Island. I don't know why. <laughs> well, let me let me make sure that's where you. I'm looking, trying to look it up now. I don't want to disparage where was Rhode I Island. Again? Yeah, thank you. this is years back, but uh, you know, it's the safe governor to say, of Rhode Island is on the phone. Mike? I know. All right, that wasn't our yeah. plantations. <laughs> how how many weeks of the year are you on the road? Um. I've kind of uh, cut back a little bit based on, um, well, t- the short answer is probably I go out maybe twice a month. But no, twice a month. Yeah. That's but, still a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I pick and choose. Uh, I, I produce and host a show in Los Angeles at the uh, Laugh Factory called Ruby Tuesdays. Oh, okay. And the concept of the show is diversity. So um, coming up um, as a comedian, I was one of the few that used to work all the rooms, like because you know, people don't realize comedy is very segregated, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, black night, Latino night, gay night, alternative night, white night, even though they don't call it white night, it is. Um, this, <laughs> I'm just keeping. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. And uh, well, it's hilarious. It, it's segregated, and we have it all segregated for you. Exactly. <laughs> nice. We got to no, take a quick break. That. Hang on tight. We got Ruben Paul in we studio. We got that story on the Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Back on his feet, now he's chopping up meat. Come inside, maybe you'll hear him say, Try the Fry or the Kaiser, they're on special tonight. If you want, you can have an appetizer. Was comedian Ruben Paul on the best of. Coming up next, we had comedian Chris Porter in talking Winter Olympics. Everyone's favorite Olympics that's going on right now. Next on the best of. He heard it's good to stay hungry. But he makes a pretty mean Welcome back. Second hour of the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for Tom Bernard. Joining us in studio in moments, JB, Chris Porter, who will be out at the Acme Comedy Club. 
Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot oh, for joining thanks in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's Going good. Going right into it. Yeah, why not? We'll have you jump right in. I, uh, I do want to mention real quick, and Catherine, uh, Andy, Mike, I'm curious. Has anybody been watching the Olympics at all? No. I've been watching no, some of it. I keep no. on missing all the stuff that I really want to see, though. <laughs> It's like fifteen hour time difference. Yeah, that's yeah, a bit of a lag on time. Yeah, two in the morning or something. Yeah, yeah. I, this story blows me away. I don't how how big a badass you think you've ever been in your life. This have you guys heard about this Olympic snowboarder? Oh I, yeah, I did. I know who you're talking about, <laughs> right, Jamie. I love the from Newser. This is the way the article starts off. Pick the wilder of the two following sentences. Marcus Scherer broke his neck during a quarterfinal race in snowboard, snowboard cross at the Winter Olympics, or that the Austrian then stood up and finished the race. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a man a right there. neck? Yes. Yep. USA Today reports idea. the accident occurred during the final jump of the course, with Scherer landing gruesomely on his upper back with such force that his goggles came off. You can see the video. He, These uh, other guys come swooshing down the mountain, and all of a sudden you just see it's like Fred Flintstone flying upside down <laughs> in the air, and then he hits the ground right on his shoulders and neck. His goggles go flying, but he gets right back uh, up and, and completes. I get a paper now, cut. I got to take a nap for a half an hour. <laughs> is this is this the event where they're all snowboarding at the same time? I get yeah. confused with what events are called what. Sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, real sure. I don't know sure. what, the, what I'm watching. Well, there was a bunch of them all going down at the same time. It says the Austrian Olympic okay. Committee says it believes the 30-year-old who fractured his fifth cervical vertebra <sighs> will not experience oh. serious long-term damage, though he'll be taken back to Austria hastily. <laughs> the Washington Post notes that Scherer has injured injured his elbow in a previous run and had been in fourth place before the crash. Well, remember that little gymnast that broke her ankle or something? Oh, yeah. Carrie Strug. The vault? Yes. She landed on it. She, she did her landing and uh, yeah. broke her ankle when that happened. And then I did it again. Just so, I think they're so filled with adrenaline right. yep. that they don't feel the pain as much as a normal person. Yeah, because it wasn't even just that ankle, she... It wasn't even that she an just... An ankle and an elbow... Is one right. thing. Two different but things. The worst neck. thing you can do after breaking your neck is move your head around. Yeah. And he just I mean, got he's like, fifth cervical vertebrae, he's lucky he's not a quadriplegic now. Yeah. After fracturing that vertebra and then moving around a lot. Man. It'd be even cooler if he was a quadriplegic and he still finished the race. <laughs> <laughs> Diversity in the Olympics. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that somehow. Something to, like, that's something to hang your hat on. That is. <laughs> Yeah, I finished the race. I didn't medal, but I also couldn't feel my legs. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do today? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. This guy set a new precedent. Yeah. That is, uh, that's amazing. Wow. That's I, the Olympics. Watching these yeah. people, like you were bringing up, Carrie Strug. She broke her ankle on the first one, then came back and did another yeah. one and landed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one. That and then was medal. awesome. Yeah, that is. I remember right. watching that as a kid and going, "No way!" Yeah. No way. <laughs> And then for like two weeks afterwards, everyone thought about becoming a gymnast. Yeah, not me. <laughs> not me. <laughs> two weeks. That's what it was like as a kid. Yeah. Right. You, you would like, oh, I don't even know what a gymnast is. And then two weeks after the Olympics, you were looking up the Parks and Rec catalog and being like, all right, yeah. where's the pole vault class? Yeah, that same phenomena <laughs> happened to me after I saw the Rocky movie the first time. You started boxing? I was like 10 years old. I came running out. I just wanted to run and punch people. And that's probably not a good thing <laughs> in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's what drove Mike Tyson is just the desire to hurt people yeah. because he was uh, 
He was a very uh, violent man. Yeah, he was an angry well, man. Yeah. Well, we just recently found out why Mike was so angry. Why is that? Why? He was abused a tumor in his amygdala? No, he was abused uh, well, as well. Sexually abused. I think everyone could have guessed that one. Well, I didn't know that. It wasn't from any well, of the, the guys that started mentoring him, right? No, it wasn't Cuss, <laughs> okay. but it was other people. It was before life. him. Right. It was like Cuss kind of uh, rescued him from that whole scene. Wow. But he really? had like mental, like in the early fights, they would just take him, stop giving him his meds, like before the fight. Oh, really? And then he'd just go in there and kill somebody, and then they put him back on his meds. And then they got, as he got wow. older, he Fun. decided, I don't want to be on my meds anymore, like all the time. Oh. Yikes. Yeah, yeah I that's stopped, never a good idea. I stopped pay per view events on Mike Tyson after the second time I got up to go uh, grab a drink from the refrigerator <laughs> and walk back, and it was over. I remember in high school, oh. me and a bunch of my buddies <laughs> saved up uh, like the 50 bucks, right. pitched in. Our friend's mom got the pay per view. My buddy and I went to get the tape from his house, and we showed up right when the fight started. 45 seconds later, it was over. And I remember my buddy looking at me. He goes, "You don't say a word till we get the money." <laughs> <laughs> so we walked in this party. Like, did you get the tape? Did you see the one? We're like, "No, it was over before we got there." And then we popped it. And Forty-five <laughs> seconds later, we're like, "Okay, so what? What now?" Everybody kick in your twelve bucks <laughs> and uh, wow. Good times, good times. There's, I, I, I've watched all these Olympics. It's it's hard for me. You know, I used to watch a lot of it growing up, and I, whatever was just kind of trending at the time, I'd check it out to see what everybody was, you know, was checking out. I, I was growing up during the Nadia Comaneci moments, and then, uh, you know, watching all of the different uh, uh, athletes that have broken out throughout the different years. And it's always cool to kind of watch in those golden moments when you see what's happening. And I really don't think I've watched since uh, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding went to the olympics together that last time i I just haven't i don't know i can't get into the olympics well for me the the olympics is disappointing because the nhl players didn't go this 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 time all right so and so to get my hockey fix yesterday i kind of was watching the replay of the u.s and women's uh curling no (laughs) hockey oh because i don't know why they haven't played before the medal round because they're you know that's going to be the two teams that play again for right. the gold medal. And they were playing yesterday, and like five different times, a melee broke out. Just in front of somebody's net, they were fighting for the puck. Sure. Got covered, referee blew the whistle, and they were ha- hammering each other. In the Olympics. They don't like each other. The, wow. the U.S. hockey women and the Canadian hockey women do not like each other. And they'll stand there and just bark at each other. All, And you can just see it, just snipping at each other and punching each other and all this stuff. Why, like, why did the NHL players kind of disconnect? the league would not release them. Oh. They were getting hurt. Yeah, they that was get- part of it. But I think the league wanted some of the moolah. Some of the scratch from the yeah. Olympics? That's probably not a big thing they want to share, huh? Is it the middle of the season? Is hockey playing right now? Yeah, they're playing right now. And the way they did it four years ago and the time before that, they suspended league play. Didn't have an all-star game and let the players go back to their countries and yeah. whatnot. And oh, I bet they lose a lot of money doing that, the NHL. Well, they lost money. and well, Which is weird. It shouldn't because you would think that would, that well, would they, broaden the horizons well, for this to give people a chance to see yeah, teams. And that's yeah. true. 
And they didn't lose money as far as they didn't lose games. They forced the players to still play the 80, oh, 80 okay. game season, but it got more compacted. Oh, okay. And so you had guys get hurt at the Olympics and at the Olympics, and the owners were like, you know, I got a lot of money invested in these guys. I don't want them getting hurt over there. If they're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt. We're, you know, on my ice. <laughs> right. Yeah. On my time. I'm yeah. making the money for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, if anyone's going to hurt them, it's going to be me. Right. So, how, how about how exciting was it when the Dream Team well, came the, out for basketball? I mean, first, it was like watching a Harlem Globetrotters yeah. game, right? It was just right. ridiculous the way they ran around. And that's why hockey did it for a couple of times because right. they did get a boost from it. Sure. Right after each time their, their guys became Olympians, they got kind of a kick into the rest of their season. But this Gary Bettman, who's the. Uh, League commissioner was dead set on making sure that didn't happen this time. So, hmm. but the ladies NHL or ladies uh, Olympic hockey is doing great. Uh, well, they lost to Canada, but uh, it was like I said, it's it's U.S. and Canada, mm-hmm. then the rest of the world. You know, everybody's fighting for the bronze because either U.S. and Canada are going to get the gold, and the other one's going to get the silver. So. Mike, can you pull up that Apple's HQ story for me real quick? I got a kick out of this. Uh, Andy, I think you'll enjoy the ignorance of of the uh, architecture for this as well. Apple's new headquarters in Cupertino, California, has been widely celebrated by architectural critics, but some employees are reportedly encountering a downside. They keep walking into the interior glass walls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Man, that's oh when you God. set up Interior webcams. glass walls. Yes. And you know every moron's yeah. walking around with an iPhone and, and checking yeah. social media, yep. and they're just bing up against the glass walls left and right. They keep walking into the interior glass walls. Market Watch reports on at least two incidents in which men <laughs> walked into a wall seriously enough to require a call to the local emergency services. In both cases, only minor cuts that- to the head resulted. A report at Fortune echoes the uh, one at Market Watch citing reported or repeated cases of distracted employees walking into the panes of glass. <laughs> An Apple spokesperson yep. declined to comment. And then the story at Fortune says employees resorted to sticking post-it notes on the glass <laughs> to alert people of the presence <laughs> of glass. Well, it's like fro- frost the Apple logo logo onto it or something. Yeah. Well, you guys <laughs> so just having like this perfectly transparent glass it's like a it's almost like a uh, a fun house but instead right. of mirrors it's just <laughs> invisible walls or just leave the face print from the guy before <laughs> just don't clean the yeah. windows now you you guys will laugh but um former gopher football coach jerry kill uh-huh they did a redesign of, of the football office space and there was these two large panes of clear glass right and next to it were two <laughs> clear glass doors. Oh, no. Yeah. He, he just... and several players walked into the glass, not to the glass doors, but the glass. And it was, it was funny because every once in a while you walk over and you see a, a lip print or, <laughs> <laughs> or something on the glass. Because they, you know, not paying attention and that's, you know, I'm going downstairs and they put yeah. their hand on the glass and... Bang their head off the, <laughs> off the glass. Well, I laugh and I joke about uh, about these morons doing it, but I did a similar thing at the uh, dollar store by my house about four or five years ago. Uh, 
they had the two sliding glass doors, but one was jammed, and yeah. I wasn't paying attention. So all I saw was the one whisk open, and I walked right into it. Bam! Hit the thing and turned into Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Butt over tea kettle, go falling out. The, the whole door comes off the pane and hits the no. ground. And I'm trying to not fall into broken glass, and <laughs> and I'm wobbling around. <laughs> and I just hear the guy at the counter go, "People are so dumb." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, I am." But oh man, I like how the article then gets very serious on us. It says, "Jokes may be easy to make." But Market Watch notes that Apple could run into trouble with workplace safety regulations if the problem persists. Well, they are hurting for money. Yeah, it adds. They would be- suck if they got a, a workers' comp claim. How much do you think this building costs them? Well, I think it's in the billions, right? Five billion dollar building. Well, it's not just That's a insane. building; it's like a campus, right. right? Yeah, it looks like a giant UFO in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Well, but still, it's like, do you? Five billion dollars? That's like that's like how much a city should cost. Right. Five billion dollars. Although looking at it, it basically is a city. Yeah, it it's does look like insanely well, what, your, huge. your stadium was what, one point three billion or something? Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. this is five times. Not my that. stadium. Yeah. <laughs> I can't afford to go to a game. It's not my stadium. <laughs> oh yeah, God, look at look Google it and look at pictures of it. It's it has to be at least like Three miles in diameter. Yeah, look at this. Doesn't it looks like a UFO right in the middle well, of the It looks woods. like like where you'd have an Olympic ceremony. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like yeah. in the future, yeah. the Hunger Games. It's a stadium. <laughs> that's where they'll have it after <laughs> after the towers fall. Well, that's that's where it's gonna, gonna go. And the best part is, um, I think underneath everything there is like a big geothermal uh, like generator or something. Oh, I'm sure. I think I think they're powering it in a weird way. There's and probably that's, that's Fraggle not, Rock in there. Right generators. <laughs> so when the asteroid oh, comes, sure this thing can, just lifts yeah, off the just planet into the just ground. All these little Muppets building iPhones. <laughs> we heard your complaints about slave labor. We got the Fraggles doing it. They're singing. It's way cuter now. <laughs> Slavery can be way cuter if it's a Dude, if it's, Yeah, they're little animals. <laughs> it's hilarious. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Acme Comedy has Chris Porter uh, tonight and tomorrow. Yeah. What time's tonight? Tonight, I think just the late show still has tickets. Is what, 8 and 10.30? Right. Okay, and uh, then tomorrow? I have no idea, but I think they're both sold out. All right, well, but you should still, thanks for stopping by. You should still come, <laughs> no. though. <laughs> Let's uh, take a break. We'll be back. We've got more on the Tom Bernard Show. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Gold for talking about the Winter Olympics. Coming up next, closing out the show, we're going back to the old boat. All the way back to episode 358 with supermodel Hoyt Richards. Next on the best of. Hoyt Richards, ladies and gentlemen. Hoyt, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Tom? I'm doing very well. It's really nice of you to come come on. We uh, I talked to Hoyt, what, about uh, two, three, three weeks ago, something like that? Oh, uh, no. That... It was about a week ago. You're, you're ahead of your time, but uh, yeah, it was about a week ago. 
I was about a week. Oh yeah, yeah that's right because it would that would have been like Christmas week. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, that was only a week ago. I know. It seems like a, a, a millennium for me. Believe me, it's been a crazy week. Well, that's good. That, that means that dumbbells is doing well, huh? Yeah, it's been great. We've gotten a great response, and um, you know, I've had to, uh, I'm actually going to be. Uh, I just did an interview today with uh, Inside Edition. And then next week I'm doing Dr. Phil with Fabio, and I'm also doing a piece. Now I got to tell the people, if you maybe not heard the name Hoyt Richards before, I got to tell you something. Fabio will be very, very jealous, and it'll it'll show on the set because Hoyt Richards, first man to ever be called a supermodel. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that action? Yeah, man, I just wish there was a, an S on my chest. It doesn't carry that far. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's great to hear that uh, that the movie's doing well. Because yeah, I guess it was only about a week ago. Uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, we're we're in, we're, in, we're in theaters, and then uh, but the main play we're doing is video on demand. I and mean, when you're a little indie movie, we can't really afford to do the big theater push. We just don't have the budget, so we uh, we do it more as a marketing thing. And uh, then ultimately, our big play is uh, on demand. And, uh, and we've gotten some great response on both counts, so it's a it's a win win so far. You gotta gotta grab the trophies wherever they are, you know. Are you on a speakerphone? <laughs> am I? Yeah. Yes, I am. Is that bad? Big shot. Here's <laughs> yeah. our life. Big shot. His movie's kicking ass now, so now he's on it. Now he's on the. Yeah, I mean, it, it would sound Can better if you. You what? Is this better now? I'm off speakerphone. Yes. That that's does sound okay. Better. All Thank right. You. Yeah, that's all right. I know you're a big shot, uh, like director <laughs> and <laughs> movie producer. Yeah. Hoyt, that's what it is. Hoyt supermodel Richards, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah. You have one of the one of the most interesting life stories that I've ever heard. <laughs> now let's start. Uh, first of all, Hoyt's not that good looking. It's unfortunate for no, him. He's, no, he's I know. It's a, not, not I, 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 I actually blame my parents for all that. I can't take any credit. <laughs> so all the all the resentment I get for any of that is all you know. I just, just <laughs> you know, completely through the parents. No so. resentment at all. <laughs> I, I, uh, so so Hoyt is at uh, Princeton. That's right. Playing football. Your dream was to play in the, in the NFL. As delusional as that was, yes. Yes, <laughs> that's delusional. One. But you, but <laughs> but you end up. Being... I, I, I believe players going to the pro is a pretty far stretch. But yeah, when you're when you're 19 years old, yeah, you, you, you dream big. You dream big. But this is yeah. what. So here's this tremendously handsome man, 19, 19 years old, young young fellow, 19 years old. He's at Princeton. First of all, they don't they don't really let dumb bastards in there. Last I heard. Well, that's, that's that's what they at least they tell us that. Thank God, I don't know what's true or not, but that's what they tell us. Yeah. So you're playing football. What position do you play? I played a uh, free safety, uh, which uh, I, in high school I've been a running back and a wide receiver, but we were short on uh, on, on defensive backs. So they said, uh, and I played a little bit of that. So I kind of got we had we had two wide receivers at that point. It's just unlucky timing. We were actually all American out of Princeton. We had we did have a guy at that point who was this amazing quarterback who actually got drafted and backed up Joe Theismann for most of his career. So he didn't get a lot of playing time, but he went to the, the big show and actually uh, represented well. So um, I got pushed to the defensive side of the ball, and then ultimately he ended up screwing up my shoulders. I just wasn't really equipped for that type of uh, tackling because um, I had subluxation in my shoulders. I had been a gymnast when I was younger, and mm-hmm. my shoulders had you know loose ligaments, and the tackling just wasn't really in the cards for me. 
So so Hoyt uh, is playing some football. All the women just flocking to him. Typically. Yeah, I wish. I wish it was like because I, I keep going, Tom. I'm 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 drinking this. Go ahead. <laughs> so he's at Princeton playing football. He's got all the girls coming his way. He gets hurt. So you figure, oh damn, he'll probably you know turn to drinking hard and hitting the drugs. No, <laughs> no, he becomes the world's first male supermodel. So life is really a bitch now because now he's making millions for doing even less than he did when he's a football player at Princeton. That's right. That's mm. right. Do people hate you? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the only the only one I think we challenge as far as doing less than a job is probably a toll booth operator because um, you just have to basically stand there a lot and just uh, pose. And the hardest part of the job is getting you the job. It might involve a, a plane, train, or an automobile, but once you get on set, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a it's not a difficult. Do you have a look? Do you have a a special look? Yes, blue steel. Yes, I just (laughs) need to know whether. To be completely (laughs) candid, I do have my angle. Like uh, that was one of the things I I had to learn as an actor. Um, You basically have to remove the model pole out of your butt because uh, (laughs) you learn as a model what kind of angles you have, what's best because. Which after a while you start to develop which pictures keep getting selected, so you realize oh people are responding to this type of angle on my face. So when you obviously when you get into performing as an actor, you can't be thinking about any of that. But uh, in the business, I can definitely say when they when they come down to an interview, like do you have a good side? I'm like yes, it's this one. So I know that. Do you uh, clench your jaw so that the muscles? <laughs> Are you perfecting your look? Just a you know, natural that, that, look. That, Are you perfecting your look, Don? Yes, I'm trying you know, right now. I've got a mirror in front of me. Yes. I'm trying to look like you know, her really bad. One of the top photographers in the world, Bruce Weber, actually teaches you to do the opposite of that. It's all about relaxing your jaw. Ah, really? It's actually, yeah, because actually when you clench your jaw, as a guy gets your, even though it gets your, your, uh, you know, the, your jaw to protrude, it actually creates weird, weird shapes around your mouth. So it's actually more uh, complimentary to most faces to have your jaw relaxed. So Not here's mine. A from the, from the industry, relax the jaw down. You look I will. I will relax. I'm relaxing my jaw to talk to you now. Wait. So now here comes the the great part of the story. So you, yeah, we started out and everything is magnificent, and you know we get through college, you get hurt unfortunately, but you become a supermodel, the the, the world's first male supermodel. But here's what I like about Hoyt. You had doubts about yourself and your life, and and if you would take it from there, this is a fascinating story. From this point on, uh, you you just felt down because. Well, like you said, you wanted to play in the NFL. That's not going to happen. But you said your self-esteem was kind of shot at at that particular time. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I, it, it, the way I kind of like to describe it is it was an identity crisis. I really, I, I had been so aligned as an, you know, as the image of an athlete. I, you know, I lived with football players. I always had played sports my whole life, and knowing I couldn't play anymore. Um, and luckily, I was, it was getting substituted at that time by something that seemed at least. Glamorous, at least in its uh, you know ideal. I mean, that was kind of like a, it's a typical twenty-year-old decision. Well, if I can't be a football star, I'll just try to be a star, and that's kind of the uh, the transition I made. But it was it was tough being around that scene at college, and all my my roommates were still playing, and um, I was lost and and trying to figure out what was what was going to make sense. And so now, all of a sudden, people are throwing all this dough at you. 
here, very popular. Even more girls are flocking to you. That's right. Even more. <laughs> it's hard to keep count. <laughs> That's right. So, so basically, what was the guy's name again? The 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 the, the, the fake the, name the, that he had. The fake name was Fred. The, the fake name was Frederick von Mears. His real name was Freddie Myers from Brooklyn. <laughs> but uh, but Frederick von Mears entered the picture when I was actually sixteen. Before any of this happened, I met oh, okay. him. I met him on the beaches of Nantucket, um, where my family would spend our summers, which is, a, you would think, a pretty uh, safe haven, so to speak, not where you or cult leaders hang out. Right. But um, uh, he had kind of uh, given me some books and kind of had gotten some, some, put some, a little bit of uh, intrigue in my mind, but the hooks really went in when I went through this kind of uh, identity crisis of what am I going to do post-football. And he was actually one of the people that suggested I could model because he had done some modeling when he was younger. And uh, one of his friends from that time is now riding Ford models in New York. So that's how I got the introduction. And um, and that's a, it's a, you know, the, the kind of a strange story from that point. But it basically kind of that was kind of my entree into the, the business to say, oh, maybe you could do this. And then um, the rest got really crazy. Because he basically took all your money. Yeah, I mean, uh, exactly. I mean, anyone who's a cult leader is kind of a master manipulator. And um, a lot of what you fall prey to is what I can really describe as a bait switch in the sense that what I signed up for, I will I will never beat myself up for because it, it was a very, very high, ideal, noble kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know approach to life. But obviously the thing that it actually was is something very different, and it only took me about you know, 15 years to figure that out. But... I did, thank God, and uh, and I escaped. Uh, and I didn't escape from the point of view of having figured it out at that point. I really escaped from the point of view because I just felt I couldn't measure up uh, to what they were asking of me. At that point, I was actually being quarantined to our North Carolina compound because this all started in Manhattan, but we moved to North Carolina where we kind of set up a whole compound. We had four years of stored food. We had guns. We had bunkers. You're waiting for the apocalypse. And... Um, you know, and I was still at that point, I'd been modeling, and I was, because I still had one foot so-called in reality, I was like, I just thought the end of the world was coming on these guys have been telling us for years. And um, that's when I started to pull away, and then the way they tried to keep me under the fold was to um, basically quarantine me down there. They shaved my head so I couldn't model, and I had to be the first one up, the last one to bed, doing every type of slave labor or whatever they could think of to kind of teach me humility. And... Um, kind of bring me back under the control and uh i just wasn't enjoying any of that no i could see that and and you know i i had been to cash cow which kind of bought me privileges for many years and the fact that now that the the uh you know the punishments were kind of and chores were kind of coming in this very aggressive way it just wasn't a lot of fun and and i really would you know, i'd look in the mirror and, and think god i look like a convict and i'm scrubbing <laughs> toilets and i could be uh, in Milan right now, kissing Claudia Schiffer, making 15 Gs a day. I guess I'm not spiritual because I'd much rather be there. And, uh, Smart man. So, so, and every night, and I'm not exaggerating, and this went on for about six, seven months, um, I would face a verbal firing squad of anywhere from uh, like 12 to 15 people where I would just get, get basically pummeled with how I had been resentful and resistant to my so-called you know, chores and punishments that day, and which, of course, I was. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't really want to be there, but I was in deep conflict because I thought I should want to be there and I should want to be fighting for the cause. But ultimately, um, I got to the point where I thought 
they were trying to fix someone that was unfixable, and, and uh, I just felt like I was hopeless, and the least I could do for the group was to relieve them of my teaching presence, and they could at least spend their time doing something more constructive than trying to deal with me. And so you in, essence, you, in essence, escaped uh, because you thought you were doing them a favor. Exactly. Wow. I, I thought it was, I thought it was wow. the greatest act of cowardice at that time. And, and this is the kind of beautiful, beautiful thing about the human spirit. You'll find some way to twist your psyche when you're in that dark of a place to still get yourself away from this influence just because, uh, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if, if you were like where I was, or you were, I was just praying for some sort of understanding, and I just knew I couldn't figure out anything in that space. So I said, even if it means I'm going to get struck down by lightning or hit by a Mack truck because I'm turning my back on God, any place is better than this for me right now. And uh, and so that's how I left. And uh, it, like I said, it took me three times. It caught me twice. So I wasn't very effective at first. But eventually I figured out. And the, and the third time is when I actually ended up uh, putting as much land mass between myself and them and ended up in California and moved in with Fabio. That is unbelievable. We're here in the red twist. You can't, you can't write this stuff. No, you can't. Here, my question is, and, and by the way, I should mention this. We're, we're sitting here in the Renters Warehouse Studios today. Uh, when I when I first interviewed Hoyt last week, uh, like I said, it was about eight, nine, ten days ago, something like that. I said, I can't just do a ten-minute interview with this guy. There's just way, way more than ten minutes here. And I asked Hoyt at that time, would you please appear on the afternoon show? And he said he was nice enough to say yes, and, and thank you for your time. And now you're on every big TV show. But, but here's what struck me, and I, I guess I thought about this between the last interview and this one. You're like a nice, really nice guy, which to me would indicate you have really good parents, right? I do. I do. Yeah, so how do you go from where were you, like when you were in this compound? Yes. Your parents had to be going, Hoy, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the tough part about it, Tom. And, uh, because uh, I didn't see my parents for 12 years. And, um, oh, and, it, and a, lot of it, a lot of the manipulation works in such a way where, as they describe it clinically, uh, as you get indoctrinated into the cult, there's the first stage is kind of what they call the love bombing, where they're telling you how unique you are, what potential mm-hmm. you have, all this incredible... Uh, future you could do with becoming this great spiritual leader and, tr- and 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 this whole thing of where you're just it's like a drug you're just being uh, they're telling you how much they love you and this is also all the things you can never hear enough from your parents and i was one of six kids so my parents couldn't physically do it even if i wanted it to so it's just one of these things of where you just don't realize that that technique works on anyone because we're mm-hmm. all starving for attention on some level and then when you're getting it from this point of view that they're supposedly looking through you into seeing something much greater than others can see. It's very seductive, and it strokes your ego, and we're all kind of susceptible to it. So the amazing thing about mind control is that it works on everyone, and that's one of the, the work that I do now because I actually work with families, helping them get the, you know their kids out of cults. And mm-hmm. the, the main thrust of what I want to do in the community is to eliminate these preconceptions that there's a type of person or profile that falls into these cultic environments because it just isn't true. It basically it, can, it works on every anyone and everyone, but you just have to show some receptivity to what they're selling, so to speak. So, do you have to be particularly needy? Uh, that doesn't. Well, not, that, that can not be needy, needy in any. It's not. It's, it's more of like you have to be in a transition in your life where you don't really have a game plan, and if you don't have a game plan, you're kind of searching. And if you meet someone who's got a game plan, they're really enthusiastic about. It's a very appealing quality. 
And then if you hear about their game plan and it somehow resonates with you, and if then they happen to be a cult leader, you're kind of screwed. And that's really end of story. Um, and and that's you know the stuff I've had to learn in retrospect through my recovery process. And a lot of people, like even people that were in the groups that I uh, had been in, never recovered. Even though they get separated and leave the group for whatever reasons, if you don't go through a proper recovery process, you don't realize it, but you really get rewired. And just because you leave the direct negative influence doesn't mean the wiring gets changed. You have to actually go through counseling. You have to do a lot of self-education. And all that really does is allow you the capability to forgive yourself because there is so much shame and embarrassment involved until you realize that it wasn't because your parents didn't treat you right. It wasn't because you're just stupid or naive. None of those things have anything to do with it. It's just a matter of a, a bad situation that, it, that came about that would have worked on anyone if they'd been in your same situation. And that's how you can allow yourself to kind of move forward and, and find actually the positive things in the whole experience, which I have found to be actually incredibly useful because when you kind of go through something like this, it's very easy to kind of want to use words like, oh, my God, I wasted 20 years of my life or, you know, how could I have been so stupid? And that none of that gets you anywhere. You've really got to find that all those things that you went through Granted, some of them are rough, but there's also some incredible life lessons in there that if you turn it into a positive thing, become an incredible force of energy to kind of lead you towards something really, really great in your life. Because like anything, uh, I love what I love what uh, Albert Einstein said. You've got to decide in your life. The most important decision is, do you believe the universe is friendly or hostile? So, so at some point, you have to just accept that even though you went through this variable, you know, shitstorm, you've got to be able to be able to accept that it was for your benefit, and that's why um, there's something positive to take from it. And it gives you the ability to realize that you're much stronger than you ever conceived you were capable of. And that type of survival mentality uh, applies you know, to your life going forward, that you're capable of things you never dreamed of. Hoyt, this is Don Shelby. I'm a, I'm a former investigative reporter, and I'm hoping you can tell me that Frederick von Meers uh, ended up in a joint. Uh, he died. He so, died uh, before and they a could get to him? Painful, long, painful death. So, he <laughs> did, he so there did. is justice in the universe. There is justice Karma. in the universe. Yeah, there was. He, uh, he actually died of AIDS. It was all very, because he claimed to be asexual, but then he would have, um, but he, uh, he had, uh, obviously he had a background of being a gay man, and he would have these, um, he was, uh, for lack of a better description, he kind of was, uh, had a taste towards Hispanic and African American guys. And we didn't know this at the time. We just, thought, we just thought he was finding people to help out on the street. Oh, this one needs help, you know. And I actually was paying for a lot of these tricks. So they were like male hustlers that are coming up to this place. And I'm thinking he's giving them some sort of spiritual guidance and that sort of thing. And it's like, oh, and my name was Lord H. He's like, Lord H, this one, he was shot twice and it's, his family's having this and this problem, so I peel off a hundred, thinking I'm helping some guy down on his luck, and I'm actually, you know, paying for him to turn some trick in the back room, Jeez. thinking that, uh, you know, my uh, spiritual leaders, you know, helping out the world on, on every level, no. and uh, and through all those interactions, he contracted AIDS and died, and uh, and Vanity Fair did a huge 15-page article, kind of exploiting what he was up to, and then he had actually passed away five days before that article hit. Uh, which was not a fun time in our lives, and certainly I was basically the only real media figure at that time. So I, I was getting called by Oprah and everything. I'm like, oh, I'm not going God. on these shows. But it was it was brutal. And of course, my poor parents were thinking, 
you know, this, this was all their worst nightmares coming true, and 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 it was just a it was a, it was a nasty period. Now, uh, you, how much more time do you have? By the way, wait, wait, I don't want hey, to. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, I just I just want to take a quick break. It's like a one minute break. Yeah. But I, before we go to break, I want to tell you this. Not, you know, we're pals, but I'm never calling you Lord H. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would accept those terms. That doesn't bring back any fond memories. <laughs> Actually, my nip, my nip, my nickname in the cult really was dipshit. But uh, <laughs> uh, and, and it was it was dippy if I wasn't in trouble. But most of the time, it was just flat out dipshit. So. You'll get your medal in a couple of days on the best of the Tom Bernard podcast. Brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Ruben Paul, Chris Porter, and Hoyt Richards. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. I was so-